into the Waiver Fire podcast. Nick and JP are here in some peak off-season form. How are you, my man? I couldn't be better. We're at least for for football off-season. This is probably about as good as it gets. We got mid-March action. JP, lay it on us and your thoughts. Well, right now we've got free agency starting today. But also, everybody is starting to put their um, their brackets together today. Oh shit! That's right. You know, everybody knows. I mean, there. I think there's a few play-ins, but everybody's printing them out. March Madness seems almost up for grabs this year. There's not like a, a semi-pro team playing in the bracket. It feels like I think I think a lot of teams have a chance here. Yeah, and I'd tell you, I'll tell you one thing. I won't fall for the Gonzaga winning the title thing again. Don't I've, do that. I, I've done that so many times. Go for a go for a a bigger school from a conference that has has proven themselves. I I don't want to say Alabama, but god damn it, they look Alabama, good. yeah. Fuck look, me. Every year I always I always tell myself all right, here's something to remember next year. And I always forget this. And here's the thing that I always forget. Okay. Is it's go when you want to know who's going to win a matchup, go and look at how big each team is. Oh, height is huge. Pull up, pull up a page that has the height and weight of the players and just look at and see if there's a huge difference because mm-hmm. I remember I remember last year there was some team that was like a like a high seated team that was going up against Michigan early in the tournament and you know they were high seated they had a lot of wins not many losses Michigan had some losses you know yeah and I picked I picked the other team I turned the game on that day and. <laughs> Just immediately, right off the bat, I just look at both teams and I'm like, this isn't going to be good. <laughs> Little tiny boys. This is not going to be good. So <laughs> well, if, you you need, might... if you need to pick, just look at the size. Like if you if it, if you if it's a toss up, like if right. you don't know anything about this team, just look at how big the people are. Well, you might not want to tune into any Auburn games then. Because we we might be the shortest team in the bracket, but I know we look so bad against, or we looked like, I mean, we looked okay. We we came within three points of beating, yeah, um, Arkansas Arkansas the other day, yeah. But they 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 were bullying us, bullying us. They were pushing us around and stuff, outreaching. Let's not let's not um you know spend too much time on that. Let's look ahead. We've got Thursday night against Iowa. I think it's a decent draw, probably more to, than we deserve. I'm trying to get tickets right now. Oh shit! It is in Birmingham. In so Birmingham at you're 550. hosting the boys. Oh, it's just the dream for you, dude. If right you can, after work, if I can get those tickets and scoot right on over and watch two games in a row, oh. I can watch. I get for if I buy the tickets, I can. Get, I also get admission to the Houston. Um, let's see, who do they play? I don't. I don't know. Houston, Northern Kentucky game. Oh, dude, just a little, a little um, nightcap for you. That's a, perfect. A, a one seed versus versus a sixteen seed. But dude, you would get to see a one seed. That's just cool in its own right. And man, 
bring some snacks, try to stuff some snacks deep down the pockets and, and get in there, JP. Yeah, but God. then we have to play Houston next if we win. Is that the draw? Okay, you're right. I think well, hey, so. look, I, I was expecting, honestly, to play up against a two or three seed in the first round. So the fact that we get a kind of even matchup and in Birmingham, it's about as much as we could have hoped for. I do have a good friend here in Rochester who is an Iowa grad. So we will be going. We will be watching that together and having a, a friendly square off. So we'll see how it goes. Hopefully we can get past the first round. Our team's not good, but we'll see. Man, JP, how about some NFL action? We have, it's not official yet, but A-Rod to the Jets? Question mark? I, I thought it was official. Um, I think it was something like it's set, it's set in stone, but we're not going to come out just yet, is what I had most recently heard. But regardless, let's just fucking say it's official. What do you think, man? I mean, we're fantasy players. A-Rod has been not great kind of recently, but he also hasn't had Devontae Adams in a couple years. And yeah, he, let's, he gets Garrett he, Wilson, I guess. He's he's a guy who needs help to be fantasy relevant. Absolutely. He doesn't he's, run. He doesn't do it by himself. He's not no. Patrick Mahomes. He's not he's he he's a generational talent for his generation. Not for <laughs> well this. said. But, I okay. I mean, you know, he's just has he he has experience and mm. he knows how to be like, all right, we're gonna fuck up less right now. Right. Like, like we're we're gonna not make as many mistakes. Like I, he knows how to minimize mistakes, and that's not something you could teach. And you know, Garrett Wilson, I'm buying Garrett Wilson cards. Okay. As of today, I think he looks. He looks nasty. He's very good. He's way better than uh, Elijah Moore. Or, isn't that his name? The other one. Uh, is Elijah Moore even on the team still? It's Denzel Mims and Corey Davis who are really doing anything. Oh, and Elijah Moore, you're right as the slot. You're right. Yeah, he he was last year. We were talking about him and wondering why people were just like throwing him in the trash. But this is why. Yeah, because he he's in the shadow of Garrett Wilson. They've got Brees Hall, who is superior to Aaron Jones. Who? It's a bit of a yeah. spicy take, I think. He's more consistent than Aaron Jones. He is. I don't know. I honestly don't know Brees Hall's hands, like how quality he is at, at receiving the ball. He only had, fuck, well, he didn't play much at all, but he only had 19 receptions on thir 31 targets. So, Well, he's I, a running back that hasn't been used up. No, you're right. He's fresh. He should be fresh. But I don't, I don't think A-Rod is draftable, right? as a backup I'm, I'm, yeah okay maybe. that's that's fine that's fine as a backup but i don't think it's too exciting i mean maybe if you want to get garrett wilson garrett wilson probably oh it's very exciting for garrett wilson yo it is exciting for him but still i mean what is he in in terms of draft capital like sixth round kind of garrett wilson yeah Oh man, I fucking hope so. Are you kidding me? Really? I mean, he yeah. had a thousand yards last year, four touchdowns. Do you think? Do you think Garrett Wilson has over under six and a half touchdowns this year? 
I'll take the over. Okay. Well, if you have the over, I mean, a seven touchdown and, and at least a thousand is, is a pretty sweet little wide receiver too. So if you can snatch that in the fifth or sixth, and that's good. Yeah, that sounds know. good. I mean, the A-Rod is going from one of the best offensive lines in Green Bay to one of the worst in New York. They, I'm I think just, he's going to get I'm, his head punched in. But Oh, yeah. I mean, I think... I think uh, it's not going to go well for Jets as a team. Like, I, okay. don't, I don't think this is the answer. Okay. Like, I don't, I don't think we're going to start winning games. And the reason we're not is because we're not going to be able to score enough points. Right. But I think that, um, I think one of the ballers things to remember this year, it was something like, good players get it done or something like that. Right. Trust that's, the talent. That to me, that's Garrett Wilson. I think. Yeah. Like, like an example of like where that some, uh, a mindset like that didn't work would be like Terry McLaurin or something like that. Good call. I think Garrett Wilson is got a different talent, maybe a greater talent than Terry McLaurin. Michael Pittman. There, there were some ones for teams with pretty bad quarterbacks. That Michael Pittman does, he, he's an anomaly. Ooh, his, he his his season last year was so crazy with uh, all those receptions. Like yeah. he had, he had like, he had the same amount of receptions as like the very very tip top. Yeah, he did. Players and he didn't even come close to producing. Ooh. What those players did, yeah, all bad. he did, all he did was all he was able to do was catch the ball. So, I'm not going crazy after Michael Pittman right. this year. But if he's hanging around, like you said, fifth or sixth round or something like that, I might take a chance on Michael Pitt. How about Jimmy G going to the Raiders? Uh, Derek Carr going to the Saints we talked about last time. Does Jimmy G, if Devontae Adams plays this year, I mean, Devontae Adams kind of perennial second-round pick at the latest, but Jimmy G just doesn't really inspire the most confidence. Uh, it might be another one of those kind of trust the talent, although he is aging. So I think you still trust one. the talent on that one. He's extremely right. fucking good. And honestly – you know, I didn't watch the Raiders a lot, but when I did last year, dude, the play calling was good on the offensive side of the ball. Like they were getting Adams open early and often. So I agree. I think I think it'll be fine. And yeah, I, I, I think I was, think he's really good. Yeah, he is extremely good. Do we want to? We're going to obviously be talking about our next Sophia Coppola movie, The Beguiled. We'll also be talking about our second album, The Forever Story by either J.I.D. or J.I.D. Well, he, he refers to himself in the album as J.I.D. He does. J.I.D.y. Yes. He uh, I he even says J.I.D. one or two times, but it seems like his preferred name would be J.I.D. It's also what I prefer, so that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> so we have his most recent album, The Forever Story, but JP, do we want to talk at all about the Oscars last night or pass that by? No, we can. I watched it. Um, it it was it was really watchable. I thought the Oscars weren't shitty this year. Um, maybe the 
I, I mean, I haven't seen All Quiet on the Western Front. That's okay. the one that, that's like the main one that we were talking about last night that like we wish we had seen. But, you know, oh, and The Whale. I haven't seen The Whale. I have not either. Um, But, you know, we watched Everything Everywhere all at once. And yep. that was a great movie. Um, I think there have been years before where there have been one or two movies that were better than that movie was agreed that that were you know so it might have been kind of a down year for me but it was a really good movie i didn't see the whale it might just knock me dead yeah you know i might have thought i'm if i had seen it i might have been like cheering for it or something but Mm -hmm. you know um you know it it was a good oscars it seemed like I did not catch it. I was tuned into the season finale of Last of Us, and I, I really have got, I guess not, not had the time for for Oscars. But I should check it out sometime because I do love movies, and I think it celebrates uh, the good ones for the most part. I also watched everything, and I thought it was good, not great. I just I didn't like some particulars, but overall, I, I don't mind celebrating what it did and what the actors and actresses did because they were really really good so i didn't mind it but i agree overall it seemed like a bit of a soft year i I walk away agreeing with you that i I do want to watch the whale i also i had heard of banshees of inishirin with oh yeah i need to see that i do want to see that i would like to see that I got word from somebody who I do not trust about movies at all that it was boring so that means that i just want to watch it more and more (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I also it looked it looked it looked like something I would like honestly. Right. I'm I, I'm I'm a person that has watched John Adams on HBO. Yep. to completion. So you can't tell me that something's boring. Thank you. Agreed. I watched that about 6 months ago and yes. Um the other three that I kind of walk away pretty interesting that I had not heard of beforehand was Tar which is Kate Blanchett starring as like a first German female composer. It looks again, boring and good. And then um, I think what I'm most excited about was I can't remember which one's, which I I'm interested in after sun and living, which I think after sun was kind of a, a daughter reminiscing about her youth with her father and she kind of paints the pictures in really based almost on a dream rather than real. And it, it looked extremely good. And obviously I have a young daughter, so I would tear up, of course. And then living, I honestly don't even remember what that one's about, but it looked good on the first glance. So that's that's how I take away from the Oscars. It, it clues me into what's kind of hip this past year and excited things to put on the menu. Um, should we dive into our movie or album? Um. Yeah, let's dive into our movie first. Let's go. We've got Sofia Coppola's 2017 feature, The Beguiled. You had picked this one after uh, I had started kind of in reverse from her filmography. And uh, should I should I tease out just a little bit of plot before we, we dive in for the viewers? Well, I want to tease out something even like Ooh. more meta than the plot. Oh, first. baby. Go ahead. Um. So like whenever I chose this, I was just looking at the Wikipedia page, you know? Yep. Um, I hadn't seen this movie. 
But as soon as the movie started, I realized, oh, I know this movie. Oh, I haven't seen this movie, but I know about it. So this movie is like a remake. Yes. Of another movie. Clint Eastwood. Yes. And the other movie is like weird. And I've seen it. Oh, I'm so jealous. I, I did not realize it was a remake till I Googled after the fact. And I'm envious that you've seen it. It looked kind of wild. It's so weird. So like <laughs> I, I was sitting here watching the movie with my fiance and it's just like it starts and I'm like, oh, my God, is he going to kiss this little 10 year old right now? Oh, God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you watched the Clint Eastwood with your fiance recently. No, this is the new one, and right. I I was just like, is Sophia gonna make him do the same oh, stuff? I see. Clint got it on other... with the Clint got it on with the ten year old, is what you're saying? In the fir- very first scene of the movie, oh he, boy, she she sees him, and they're in a bush, and the girl's getting really scared, and the oh, the, no. the idea is that he kisses her to take her mind off of how scared she is. Oh, it's God. a really creepy scene. That's trouble. And thankfully that did not happen, <laughs> but, but yes, it was just, it was funny just being like, Oh, I know what this is. <laughs> that is cool that it, it brought back the flashbacks and I'm, and I'm glad that Sophia did not force that on Colin, uh, Colin Farrell or the, or the girl. Yes. Um, but anyway, okay. well, that's an can... exciting intro. You can tease the plot now. Just just for those folks that are potentially interested, I'll, I'll give you a little taste and you can decide from there. Um, so we've got Colin Farrell playing a Union soldier back Civil War times. He is kind of hurt during a battle behind enemy lines in Confederate Virginia, kind of stumbles into the woods pretty badly hurt and gets taken in by like a girl's kind of boarding school slash girls with whose fathers have gone off to war and they don't know, they don't have any place to be except for this little, well, it's not little, it's a nice looking little mansion, but uh, Nicole Kidman plays kind of a tutor for them, motherly figure. And I think it's like six or seven girls. And so Colin Farrell shows up and it's a kind of about how they're torn between him being a union soldier. So they turn them, turn him into the Confederates but they also kind of like him and they're having these like kind of they're, they're in awe a little bit of this outsider and, and he's very attractive of course. And so they all kind of have their different relations and he, you know, well, we'll get into what it, kind of his persona about it, but that's the general synopsis of it. And uh, so, so JP, how about you want to take it away? Your thoughts. So, I don't know. I, I just had. I think I have to start off with. That I didn't love this movie. Like fair. Like I didn't like. Like overall, I I didn't take away anything like incredibly rewarding, mm. or um. Like the care the the female characters in in it are, they just seem really shallow. Like they. They just they just want the main character, you know, extremely like, one dimensional for sure. Um, you know, it wasn't like a torture to watch this. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you wanted to find out how it would end as far as like if this dude was going to live or not, <laughs> I guess. Right. And uh, of course he doesn't. He uh, he gets fucked up. He gets fucked up <laughs> by mushrooms. Oh, man. And Kirsten Dunst almost eats the mushrooms, too. Yeah, and I wasn't sure if they were going to let her or not, to be honest. But we can talk that we can talk that ending for sure. I'll yeah. I'll I'll weigh in on that. And, you know, I, I honestly have similar feelings as I did with the last one we watched, which was on the rocks, which, you know, I think we both walked away with it with with more reward than this one. But yeah, I, I feel similar in the sense that if you care about the actual plot, may, maybe this is what Sophia wants you to care about, like the actual story about Colin kind of playing these women and them kind of, you know, realizing it at the end before it's too late and, and kind of getting their vengeance in some way. Like if you care about that, it's pretty light and it's not its strong point, but I will say, you know, I come in with some severe bias on this one, JP, because historical drama pieces, I just cannot help myself, man. I cannot. It is it is my favorite genre by a landslide. I love the costuming and the setting, the environment, the the language, everything that you can do about a historical drama, you know, fictional drama is just wonderful. And I think they do it well here, you know. Well, that's what I that's what I did say about Sophia on the last episode is that whatever subject matter or 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 uh you know, like script that she's given, she completes the task and she portrays it perfectly. Just however, in the Sophia way, like, you know, yeah. She, it, it, she, and this, this is one, this is kind of, you know, I guess kind of a flex on her part. I think this. it was trying to be with, you know, it, it it's, she she takes some challenges as a director with, you know, using natural candlelight whenever she can and having star actors obscured in shadow because they're in a mansion uh, at nighttime. And so you're not supposed to be like flared up with, you know, lens light or whatever. And so so it's an honest movie. And, and I think that towards the historical drama portion, you know, I'm no. Uh, YouTuber review who can break down whether their you know dresses are actually to to age or whatever, but it looks really good to my eye. It looks very authentic and immersive, and I love that aspect about it. And that kept that kept going throughout. You know, you get you get the little taste of Confederate soldiers both outside the house and inside, and they look good and grizzled and hard, and so everything about that. I absolutely love. So I walk away from the film being like, oh, yes. Oh, yes. But I, to your point about the characters, I mean, even even towards when they're trying to have some dimension, you know, Nicole Kidman trying to do the Christian way of life and the values and what's morally right versus her own desires and a little bit of vengeance towards the end. It it's pretty flat. And of course, all of the, all of the girls, even Kirsten Dunst's 
I mean, it's very straightforward. And, you know, Colin Farrell's has some amount of dimension about, you know, what does he think about the war really? You know, who who is he inside? And and what are his motives to tricking some of these girls? Is it really just to live a happier life or does he actually want to get his dick wet? Like what are his motives to all of this kind of manipulation? So there's some depth, but it's pretty, it's pretty bare bones. And I, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not shocked that the modern audience was not a huge fan of this movie because it it is slow. It is immersive. It's, it's about as every opposite thing that you could be from the Oscar winner from this year, you know, the, one of the flashiest movies that I've seen in a while. So, so I get it. But for me, I, I was a big fan of a lot of it. Um, If you like some, like some historical, historical drama shenanigans. Oh, baby. You, you should try this this drama called Bride's Head Revisited. It's slow as fuck romance drama about some some old timey shit. I see both the, a film and a TV series. The TV series is don't watch that. That's <laughs> I have I've seen it, but it's the BBC show. It's like rare. You're gonna have to like you'd have to download that, and it's huh. not. That's not that's not what. The TV series is a little bit focused on some other shit. Okay, I feel you. But but the the movie is like it's about this crazy love triangle mm. and the the costumes are amazing and the sets are amazing that has like italy england it's it's fire i'm diving into the trailer it looks like it leans on the posh side of uh english history but i it looks it looks tasty so i appreciate the wreck man i will dive in it's definitely something to watch with with uh, maybe like on like a, lady a date friend. night, yeah, Ooh. like a date night type movie. Ooh. Well, I appreciate that, man, for sure. Um, I'm trying to think any other thoughts I had. You know, if we're gonna talk particular scenes, I thought the, I thought the best shot scene, and it's pretty in your face, but for me, it was the hand washing of Colin Farrell's body by Nicole Kidman. It's it's a really intimate scene where you have her hand bathing him with a sponge and he's unconscious, probably who knows if he's just keeping the eyes closed, but um, you know, and, and she's kind of examining the extent of his wounds and just thinking in his head. And obviously, you know, eyes are wide open at the six pack <laughs> and it's just, it's a very physical scene, but it's, it's really nicely shot, man. And it's, you know, there's yeah, no words I remember to that it. one. Love that scene. I also think the re the reoccurring shot of one of the girls standing lookout up on one of the terraces with a spyglass is very endearing, man. It's it, it was, you know, they they played that scene or versions of it four or five times, and it just 
kept you grounded in the situation of where they are and it kind of changed with different times. Like, what are they really looking for? Are they looking for Confederates so they can turn them in? Are they looking so that they can kind of prep to hide him and stuff like that? So I like that re recursion of the spyglass scene. And also similarly, they Sophia shot a lot of um, Southern moss scenes, you know, the moss hanging from the trees. And it yeah. just all added to the ambiance. And I know a lot of people would just be like, oh, can we get to a scene with plot? But I'm I'm a huge sucker for those, so I really like those uh, scenes in particular. But that's about all I had for the movie. Did you have any final thoughts, or should we dive into some music? Um, you know, I I just I I, I like all the people in the cast. I didn't think that anybody did a bad job. Mm. Elle Fanning didn't get much play, but no. she's capable of doing just about anything. Um, I'm not, I'll be honest, I'm not a huge Durst fan, but I know that we're going to be seeing her pop up probably in a, in a couple other, uh, Phil, I mean, sorry, Dunst, not Durst, <laughs> but, but we'll, you know, it's not, it's nothing horrific. I just, you know, we had this movie and then she was also recently in that Western with uh Cumberbach that was kind of heavily praised. I didn't really like her in that either. So I, I'm just well, kind of you, a hater. Did you did you watch that that Showtime show? Oh, I don't know. Give me a. Do you have a name? It's really long. Huh. The uh, name is. I don't know. Let's see. On it's called On Being a God in Central Florida. Oh wow! No, this is my first time hearing about it. It's really good. Oh really? Oh shit! Okay. Yeah. Damn. It's. It's funny. I doubled up on two wrecks. All right, I'll try. Maybe that'll win me over for her. But she, again, she wasn't anything bad. She played the character perfectly fine, but just just historically not my favorite. But, uh, well, let's dive into some music, man. You, uh, you picked out a rap hip-hop album, The Forever Story by Jid. Give yeah. me a little, give me a little bit of background about, you know, your interest and, and you can dive right into thoughts. Well, I didn't really know anything about Jid going into this. I just saw that he had a highly uh, critically acclaimed album and just dove in. Came so, out August of last year. Right. So Jid is from Atlanta. He is an Atlanta local native. Atlanta is one of my favorite places to listen to rappers. Absolutely. From. They have so many good rappers. Um, and I grew up close to Atlanta, so. You know, I love Atlanta. I feel it's that. a wonderful place. I, I, uh, I really have a great time every time I visit the city and. Uh, envy anybody who lives in the ATL, unless you're like struggling and like, you know, living on welfare or some shit like that. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. I know there's bad times in the city. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Jitty is on Dreamville, which is uh, J. Cole's record label. So that's cool because, I mean, 
obviously we know he, J. Cole is like the king of freestyling. And his discography speaks for itself. And he's got some pretty good taste. So I figure if Jid is on his label, then he must be pretty talented. So let's get into this album. It's, I mean, I've listened to it a lot this week. I've listened to it a lot. The the Forever Story, I've played it from start to finish a lot. Like, there's there's a lot to be said about every single part of it. Like, like the I think the nast some of the nastiest verses and the things that just earworm me are in the song Dance Now. There's the part of the song where he talks about having how he's he's not a two-stepping man. And then he's talking about how he's not dan- he doesn't dance because he has a gun in his pants. And it, but it's like the way he says it is just it's so funny. I think Dance Now is definitely when the album starts heating up. I think the first two tracks galaxy radar fine little intro but but he doesn't and he not to say he doesn't flex his ability he does just the tracks as a whole aren't really my style but i agree with you that's when it starts kind of kicking off so yeah dance now is such a nice song and as an introduction to jid i think this is a good album for people who have never people who have never heard of him because on dance now he's kind of introducing himself you know he is he's telling a lot about himself for sure he's like introspective he's like tell he's like telling you exactly like what he's like and 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 what he will and won't want to do and stuff and once you go into crack sandwich that just keeps going like he just keeps being like hey here's this and here's this and my family this and here's a story about me and my sister and this crazy thing that happened at a nightclub where we like pushed all the bouncers out of the way and bust down a door and started beating people up and shit like that yeah so i mean whatever they busted out the door and they're they're fighting people and shit and it's like him and his family and they're they're just like they're going crazy on somebody like it, it it's a it's a crazy story and it's an awesome story um, i think uh, you go ahead um i don't know if it makes for like the greatest song ever crack sandwich like i don't i don't think i listen to crack sandwich every time it comes by but like the first like four or five times, you know, I, I wanted to hear it because it's a good the whole thing is good. It flows together between dance now, crack sandwich, can't punk me like it's all good flow. And at, by the time crack sandwich is over, I'm like, all right, I, I'm good. I know who Jid is. And uh, <laughs> this let's get to it. And then that's when it really just gets crazy as shit with can't punk me. Um, with Earth Gang, which is just like this, th- this insane, like hard as fuck, like like big energy track. It kind of reminds me of like uh, 
um, like Brockhampton or something mm. like that. Like big, big energy. Dude, Earth Gang sounds good. Don't know who. Don't know him. He sounds good. He's also on um, on Dreamville with uh, with Jed there. Gotcha. I think he, I think Jay that was Cole. his only track on this album, though. I think, but it I is. want I wanted more. That dude, that dude's nice. Yeah. I to just to circle back on Crack Sandwich. It was one of my favorites. I, you know, I I may have burnt it out. I honestly may have burnt out the whole album for a little while. But that I think that Jid is at his best here when he is being directly narrative about his his backstory because dude, it's it's a sad one in a lot of ways where he's talking about how he graduated high school with a football uh, scholarship and, and thought he could make it in that way. And then the impressions I'm getting is that he had this altercation at a bar where, you know, from his perspective, he was defending his sister and, and they kicked him off the team. And, and that was his, you know, his dreams and aspirations flushed down the toilet really. And it's, it's really tough and, and it's interesting because obviously he's made it now. And so he can look back with some levity, but I'm guessing that he wasn't a huge fan of that, of that happening in his life at the time. And, yeah. you know, he, he has to go on to basically, I think he went to be like a pizza delivery guy or whatever and, and made beats and, and rapped kind of just as a hobby trying to get something out there. And it worked out. I mean, it's a crazy success story, really. But that track is just so honest and it's just, man, damn, dude, you had this full scholarship ride to university and it kind of talks about, you know, almost in a casual way, a father's perspective being like, I think it's towards the end of the album. He's like, he, he had everything going for him and, you know, he, he kind of fucked it up, but, but, but he, he thought he could do this rap thing and it, it seems to have worked out and it's like a very, it's a comical way to look at it, but. I don't know. I really love that that song. I thought it was awesome. So, yeah, it's it's it. I I wouldn't have it any other way. I would I would, I needed to find out all those things. Mm, agreed about but, about him and I, and I love even back way back to the first song radar. Right. You know, he talks so much cool stuff about football and 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 he ha- he has that i don't know i think it might be in dance now but it might be in radar where he ta- has this whole line about Stephen a smith yes Michael shannon Vick. sharp shannon yeah sharp. like oh man it's great like that's <laughs> that's cool because you know like i mean i i hate to say it but and and it's not a racial thing because you know football is Maybe if maybe if you're if you're saying that it's mostly black or mostly white, whatever, um, rap music doesn't talk about football as much as it does about basketball. So you're right, it's cool to see basketball and rap or football and rap because you know everybody loves football. There's there's no race to it, you know. Agree. So it's football is the dopest i think everybody knows that except- it is and you don't honestly hear a lot of you know obviously folks try to make it in the football game all every day every, you know all day every day and very few do and you don't really hear those stories i mean we had friday night lights of course highlighted way back in the day about you know when you don't make it how hard it can be but to have a real dude 
you know, kind of say, okay, well, that didn't work. I'm going to bust my ass towards a different way and do it. I don't know. Maybe I'm hyping it up too much, but I just think it's super, super cool. It is super, super cool. All right. Next song. We go into the hit. The hit. Yeah, this song is crazy. Like, it's got so much. I I think uh, um, Jessica was like, is this that album that has that song that goes like this? And I'm like, yeah, it's that song. Mm-hmm. It's Surround that album. Sound. Yeah, because I play it and it's so it, it'll it'll suck. It'll just like it's an earworm, you know. It's incredible. I I it's got that sample on it. That it's just, got that sample. And, and I will say, you know, when I first heard it, I was like, wait a second. I'm pretty sure I've never heard this album. Is is this track just so big that I've heard it for? It's not. I had not heard it for. I had heard most defs Miss Fat Booty many times, which has the same sample. And I will say personally, I think he samples it better, but I think that Jid's vocals and what he does to the song are so fucking cool man i mean the lyrical content i honestly don't even really remember but his his flow and and the um variability flexibility that he tosses in what an absolute banger yeah i agree i i love listening to this song um speaking of most deaf he's down there on track 11 stars which is interesting. He also has, you know, that's produced by Good, Good, Not Bad, kind of a jazz, modern beat production, hip hop. Um, they're very interesting. I thought that that it gets a little tiring. I mean, it's pretty it's just looped, but it's a it's a very cool production. And honestly, this album's production, it takes, you know, it it makes some amount of risk. There are there are. Um, some tracks like we'll talk about money in a little bit because it has one of the weirder, you know, production background um, beats going on in it. But I honestly think in general, it's a little same throughout in terms of the production. Um, but stars stood out. The one you just talked about with good, good, not bad. So there's some very good, but I will say, I think that's probably the weakest part of it is that, a lot of the tracks you'll kind of be listening to and they, they flow into each other, but kind of in a bad way. I feel like that's just my impression of it. Yeah, I can see that. I do think the, the following track after surround sound Cody blue 31 fucking nasty, absolutely yeah. nasty shit. I mean, that's a, I, I'll be honest. I can't punk me. I'll have to give it a, a listen back. I, I didn't think it was one of the top tier, but six into seven was, was a pretty damn dirty. Yeah, he so that at that point I'm realizing that he is a good singer too. Ooh. You know what I mean? I mean he has, Bl- Yeah, good. Yeah, like uh like all of a sudden I he he's a great rapper and now he's singing well on this track. Mm. Oh, we just we just swept. Right. I just uh on my prize picks picks today. We just Oh we swept. Oh baby. The Monday keeps on giving, JP. Hell yeah, bro. Oh fuck yes, man. I anyway, you know, um, to, to step go I ahead. just saw that some someone sent something on the on the group. Oh fuck yes, man. We're all green. <laughs> That's so tight. 
I think I think Jid's flexibility, vocal flexibility, is fantastic. I mean, I will say I'm I'm pretty damn ignorant towards modern hip hop. You know, I I listen to Kendrick and the Top Dogs, and sometimes I feel like it's just it's kind of same old, same old at this point. But he he has a lot of flexibility and a lot of different pacings and tones. And it's extremely talented. And I think that's the highlight besides his introspective vulnerability that he shows on it. Um, I think that he just stars as somebody who can, you know, go slow, fast, can sing and just burst and, and rhymes within rhymes very well. So I think his vocalization is, is exceptional. I do think, you know, I was looking at his, at the wiki as well. And, it's not really clear how much of these tracks he actually wrote himself, which is, which is fine. I mean, I, I don't think that ghost writing or whatever is necessarily a slant on somebody's ability. And I honest, and I can't even tell honestly how much is ghost written, but it seemed like for each track, there were a lot of supporting writers, which is chill, but man, some of the lines are just so fucking clever. And if it had all been him, I'd be like, Damn, this dude's one of the one of the top wordsmiths of our generation right here. But I don't think it all was him, and that's that's okay. But just didn't want to get too hyped up about that ability. Yeah. I think that the the tandem of Brudonem and Sistanem is I wanted to like that. I think there's a lot of potential, but I think they ultimately are just kind of meh a little bit. I was a little bit fatigued there. I don't know how you felt about those tracks, but I kind of was like, eh. They're still good. I, okay. I like Lil Dirk. I like Burdenham probably better than Sistanum. Hmm. And then I think the close to the, the album, you know, Stars, again, I spoke to the production I really like. Just in Time with Lil Wayne, I think is like not my favorite either. I thought it was just kind of bland, whatever. And then money, money is a track that it runs a little long. It's like four and a half minutes. I think it could have been three to three and a half, but the production is so fucking weird, dude. It's like, it's kind of got like an indie rock production and it, it feels, it sounds like a weird girl talk mat mashup production where you've got him flowing over what's essentially kind of a rock song, but it works. I think it works really well. It's long again. I get kind of fatigued by it, but overall it's such, it's such a swap up from the album that it's so welcome to me. And I think it's, it goes down as like one of my favorites just for that. It's like money, money. And then it's got like, it's literally got like most of the, most of the album is, is classic 808s. Like, but this is full on like rock drum, guitar rift. And anyways, I was, I was pretty excited by that. And then into better days, which I'll be honest by that, by the first listen, I was kind of gassed and I was like, uh, okay, we're kind of getting towards the end here, man. Better days has, has climbed up the rankings for me. It, it again is, is introspective. It talks, and I don't know what this story that he's talking about, to be honest, but it talks about like how his brother kind of took a cop for him a little bit with some gun that was dirty. I don't exactly know the specifics, but he's, he's giving more of that background that I love so much. And 
Yeah. Big fan of that track. I I don't have much to say about Louder 2. I, I think it's good, but I just can't recall it well enough. It, it's a solid end. I, I will say for an album that's an hour long, JP, in this day and age of hip hop where we're getting like fucking 17 minute albums, an hour long album is bold and difficult, extremely difficult. I mean, I think the... I think about a, a recent album that was long almost for the sake of being long was Kanye West Donda, which I just despise so much. And it's, it's just so hard not to feel super weighty. And, and as I've said, I do think that some of these songs are a little bloated, but the last five or so, uh, I should say four money, better days, louder too. And then into the track that was cut, but, but on Spotify, 2007, it's so fucking good, man. It's so good that, I, I think it's just it's something to cherish there. I was a, I was a huge fan of the ending. Well, what about Donda Chant? Uh, Donda. yeah, Donda. yeah. There's something Donda. to be said for that. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I will say, Donda was a more experimental album, in my opinion. It was more, it was more ambitious. It just fell flat on its face. So, yeah. you know, towards end product, I. It's one of those things, JP, that I think this album, and, and I will be exploring Jid, of course, more, uh, DiCaprio 2 and his his first album, The the Never Story, I think, um, because he's very good. I will say the production, it's solid. The vocal flexibility, very good. The introspective nature of some of the tracks is, is really um, exciting and heartwarming, and, and I really love it. I don't know if this album pushes any boundaries. Like, I don't know if it takes any risks and progresses hip hop in any really new or interesting ways. And I don't, I don't mean to see, I, and there's always something to be said for, you know, synthesizing a modern sound to perfection and doing it very well. But be I just caref- be careful what you ask for. Because once you start, once you start really trying to innovate hip hop, you get some really weird shit. I and know that shit is already out there, like Danny Brown and yeah. clipping. Right. I don't know if you've ever heard clipping. I have. But I I can't fuck with that. I'm with you, and I'm not saying that it it all works, but. You know, when you have an album that's an hour, and, and again, I think money does push, you know, it, it's it's interesting, but I think that there could have been a track or two where where he just goes fucking wild on it. <laughs> and, yeah, so, and maybe that will happen. Yeah, I hope so. I hope we I hope at some point he feels like he's he's made it, he's made a statement. Now he can kind of do whatever because I think there's so much talent there. But so that's and that's not a negative critique. Again, I, I think that synthesizing a great sound is is awesome. And, and it's no disrespect on the talent. It is so fucking hard to do that. But would have liked maybe a little innovation. But that's okay. I, I was I was such a fan. I it's you know, I had heard about DiCaprio 2 when it came out, and there was a lot of hype around it. I never gave it a chance, which sucks, but I'll be diving back in and I really appreciate you bringing it to uh to our table here. Um there's this one song on Donda that oh boy that we listen to and it's it's amazing for like three minutes oh, until shit. the part 
to the part where Kanye comes in. <laughs> it's it's such a good song. It has oh, like no. someone vocalizing and it's like yeah. it's great and it's beautiful. Give me the track. It's called Hurricane. Hurricane. It's beautiful. It's such a wonderful song. And then Kanye comes in at like three minutes. And he's like, and and uh i mean jessica made the comment the other day she was like he sings on this song like on like flashing lights and stuff like that and it sounds great like why can't he do that on right now and instead of being like that was like that's a great point I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with him. Donda was an absolute tragedy. It but... really was. I mean, there's like one. There's like one, that one song, pretty much. Yeah. You know, you and I. I think. I think we had similar relationships with Kanye, and we don't have to get too into it. But you know, I. I think up until Jesus is King. You know, I, I'm not talking personality or his beliefs because he he's been he's been vocal on some dumb shit for a long time. But in terms of albums, I mean, it was all extremely tight, in my opinion. And then yeah, it, uh, I like Yay, I like Life of Pablo, uh, Life of pa- I I don't love Jesus, don't love Jesus. Agree. I don't love Watch the Throne. Agreed. I love I love my blood, my beautiful dark twisted fan fantasy. I love sure. 808s. Agreed. Love graduation. Agreed. And I think late registration and college dropout are two of the best hip hop albums of all time. But fuck Kanye West. Yeah. First and foremost, fuck you, Kanye. Of course. And I know that's a reference to one of the last tracks on <laughs> on one of his albums. But yeah, first, really, really fuck you, Kanye. Agreed. Agreed. It's it's a sad story and it's, it's hard to listen to those, those goody albums the same way or, or at all, to be honest, but we will not, we will not be diving into Donda as our next album. <laughs> uh, so, so looking at Sofia Coppola's filmography moving forward, you know, we're kind of, we've been doing it in reverse so far. And the next one that would be up, is her 2013 The Bling Ring, which no. you and I have both seen it, and you and I both didn't really like it. <laughs> and I, I'm hoping you and I don't see the reason to revisit it. No way. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. Well, we will be no. skipping that production. and But I have not seen Somewhere, which honestly... It doesn't look that good, but I'm trying. I'm, I'm I've a- I've seen somewhere. Okay. Is do you want to skip? I don't want to force you. Um I don't I don't think it was very good. <laughs> that's that's fine. But you've also seen I think you've seen the the rest, right? You've seen Mary Antoinette. I I mean I the only reason I say that it's not very good is because I don't want to rewatch this one that's totally fine do you do you want to rewatch I, i'll re i'll rewatch any of the other ones because they're all fantastic and oh shit i've got physical copies of all of them okay well i have never seen marie antoinette it it is starring our dunst which we talked about but it is also kind of a 
a weird uh, play on historical fiction kind of thing, drama. So, yeah, let- it's got Jason Schwartzman. Okay. Well, don't give me too much. Let me try to go in blind, but that's what we'll be doing for that's- next week. Yeah. <laughs> he's the he's the other like lead so okay you can dig that and then this album is kind of out of nowhere and it's i'm only bringing it up really because it was the next cd that i have on my car seat but i have the debut album from brandy who is an artist that i know nothing about it seems like early to mid 90s classic hip hop R&B from a god how how old was she when she released this it was in 94 and she was born in 79 that would make her 25 15 jesus 15 okay she was a 15 year old who released this on Atlantic Records and it was a smash hit and I know nothing about it and I have it in my car. So if you're interested, we'll be listening to Brandy by Brandy. Yeah. Yeah. I like Brandy. There we go. So I don't know how those will play at all, but uh, man, I'm so excited that we're back JP. It's always good. Yeah. It's always good to be back in the waiver fire. Um, I, I've, I found out, something about myself i love the draft season i think i almost love it more than the actual season itself like when we're so hype like when we're when we're planning what we're gonna do and we're doing best ball and everything else like like that's the juiciest i love i love that shit agreed i think that personally playoff fantasy rivals it when you're really fucking in the thick of it but but draft is so tight and and it can last for a while because we start here early (laughs) when it's really not even draft season we we start to peak and we start to strategize we do all right man i'll catch you next week all right see ya (laughs) 